great American band. Say you want a revolution, well, you know, we all want to change the world. You tell me that it's evolution, well, you know, we all want to change the world. When you talk about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out and welcome to another edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Patrick, it's getting to be a slow time in the world of professional wrestling as we enter Christmas 2016. But what is new in the world of pro wrestling this week? Well, Cody Rhodes heading back to ROH, so we're gonna see. Uh, see what and he, he joined the there. Bullet Club. And he joined the Bullet Club, so which I feel like is getting a little out of hand because everybody joins the Bullet Club. Oh yeah, CNWO all over again. Well, the T-shirt's cool. So everyone, everyone needs a cool T-shirt. But yeah, the uh, Ring of Honor, which is uh, also promoting a crossover between the Young Bucks and the Hardys on a house show somewhere, a TNA ROH invasion angle may be coming up. Well, on the horizon. I heard uh, I heard a little bit more than just the Hardys for a possible show, the big show in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, coming up in January for for ROH. So you know, it would be nice. It would be a way to try to save TNA. Well, it it could help out both companies. It would yeah. be mutually beneficial to both of them. To uh, they're both you know light years behind the WWE in terms of how big their product is. So if they work together, you know, only good things can happen if they work together. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, Cody Rhodes, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Cody Rhodes, he'll be, he'll be fine. Uh, you know, and hopefully he can use this opportunity to become a bigger star and make it back to the, the, the big stage one day. I really hate to say this, but Cody Rhodes is so good that truthfully he doesn't need WWE. Oh yeah. WWE needs him. Oh yeah, and he can make a lot more money on the indie circuit yeah. and uh you know get his travel paid for and get a lot more time off and yeah. Enjoy life a little bit. So, it's not as the ske- you make your own schedule. Right. And he's already made his money, so Yeah. You know, good for him. He's got it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. The New Day breaks the tag team title record. They did and then they turned around and lost the belts on Sunday. The yeah. Cesaro and Sheamus. Yes. But this whole thing was just a... I didn't know this until, you know, deep into their title reign, but the reason this happened... Well, there's two reasons. Originally, I mentioned this a few episodes ago, the original record was the London and Kendrick record. Right. And, okay, they broke that one. Right. But then people on the internet and everybody else said, hey, hold on a second. That's, you know, for this set of title belts, that's accurate, but not for all wwe title belts ever right and so then they got offended and said oh we'll show you you know we'll break that we'll break that other record you know we'll break demolitions record in that massive concussion lawsuit with all the old wrestlers demolition is involved in that lawsuit so this is a slap in the face basically of demolition because even though they did mention demolitions record they never showed any highlights of demolition they never mentioned it because this is just a way to erase them basically yeah that's why they're not in the hall of fame that's why yeah you'll i don't think you'll ever see bill Eady and and demolition going into the hall the hall of fame anytime soon yeah if ever 
I think they'll make it in one day when they've probably passed away. Yeah. Sadly. But it's unfair, but that's the way the company operates. Or maybe when Vince is not in charge of the company anymore. Like a, like we've discussed that before at the Hall of Fame. It's right. It's going to take some massive changes right. within the administration of World Wrestling Entertainment to make any changes to the Hall of Fame. Neville turns heel. Yes, and he's in the cruiserweight division. I freaking loved it. Oh, yeah. It was... It's a... He walked out. You're thinking, "Maze, all right, cool. He's gonna be a part of it. Well, he's no, gonna he shake hands." Then all of a sudden, he sucker punched the hell out of him. And he so, had an evil beard, yeah. Patrick. So I knew he was up to no good yeah. when he came out looking like that. When you grow the beard, you become evil. Well, it's good for him because they had not used him at all. No, and I think I don't think he had been on TV in several months. Well, he's been injured. Well, he was injured before. Remember, he he returned from the injury that he had against Jericho that yeah. night where the ref didn't know that he was injured. Right. He came back from the ankle injury for a couple of weeks on TV and then was right back off TV. And not only that, but just in general, his whole main roster run, they just don't know what to do with him. I was watching uh, Raw Talk after... Roadblock, Roadblock. end of the line. Yeah, that that it was a really bad pay-per-view. Well, I had no intention to watch. I didn't it. watch. I literally tuned in just to see the last two to three matches, and that was it. And um, but I love the. It was awesome the way Booker T put it. They had to build a a division in UFC around one guy, and really and truly, that's what they're going to do with this whole cruiserweights. Is build it around one guy because if there is a guy who who legitimizes what cruiserweight wrestling is all about it's neville yeah high flyer high flyer but yet can take it to the ground has speed be yet slow all over the place i think it's it's a great spot it's a great move for him because this division's already been launched part of the problem i've had with the cruiserweights so far is that they haven't established anybody's character and so the simple way to help the, get this thing off the ground is to give you characters that you're already familiar with that's why neville is going to be the face of this division right now because we're familiar we're familiar with him not with his heel character but we we at least know you know what to expect from him and then you have tajiri who they showed a promo for who actually i didn't think had signed back with the company but he's back with the company now and austin aries when he is when he returns from his injury He's going to be on this division. So now you have three established stars. Okay. I didn't know Austin Aries was. So Yeah, he's doing commentary for 205 Live right, right now until he comes back. But he's already said at the desk that when he comes back, he's coming for the cruiserweight belt. So three established stars yeah. now, in addition to Brian Kendrick, who's already there. And then we can build the other guys up. Because right. as much as I enjoy Rich Swan and I enjoy all these other guys, and I think Jack Gallagher, Jack Gallagher is going to be a huge Huge star. Oh, I agree. The very underrated so far that he's going to be big. Um, you just need something to carry you over until those guys are established on yeah. the roster. So I think that's a. It was great. It was the highlight of, like I said, so far in this cruiserweight division. This was the biggest moment for them so far. Yeah. And they've got to quit making the ropes purple. I hate this purple rope <laughs> stuff. I'm sorry. I doesn't rope colors don't usually bother me, but it's when they go out of their way to change the colors in the middle of the show or or the mat and all of that you know yeah, if you're going to have writing on the mat let's put you know go back to WCW have the show well, logo on it i meant to add, i meant to tell, talk about this during the nitro re- review it's a good thing that they don't put that big logo in the middle because that screen printing that thing would be so slick 
I mean, people would be slipping and sliding all over that thing because think about like on a t-shirt, the logo part is so slick. So imagine right. that giant in the middle of a ring that's getting sweat on it. Well, if you have it sewn in. Yeah, but they're not going to, they're not going to take, that costs too much money. I I'd just screen print it. Just iron it on. Just like a t-shirt. <laughs> An iron on. Yeah. So yeah, at least they don't put a giant logo in the middle of it. I know that they put the little tap out things, which by the way, I didn't know they they have they basically own tap out brand now. So like a couple years ago, so when the CWC was happening and I saw the tap out logos, I thought, oh, they got sponsors now. Yeah. No, they own it. So yeah. that's why everyone's rocking tap out gear now is because they own the brand. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Vince bought it out and uh He's bought Scooby Doo. Well, he owns the Scooby Doo brand. They don't own Scooby Doo, but they're in, in partnership with Warner Brothers for these animated films. Right. So it's the only thing Scooby Doo's done lately. Yeah. Is WWE movies. So, well, I think having bringing back, you know, Scooby Doo and having like the whole wrestling, you know, I, I thought that was awesome. Anyway, I used to look forward to watching every year, you know, the little specialty characters on Scooby Doo, like Batman and Robin and. Oh yeah, the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, the Harlem Globetrotters. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's kind of cool to be able to see see that carry over even now into uh, into WWE format. So, yeah, we'll have to review one of those shows one day. We'll watch one. (laughs) We'll watch one. We'll watch a Scooby Doo and review it. Uh, Shad from Crime Time breaks up a gas station robbery. Irony, irony at its finest. Yes. The guy the guy known for crime stops a crime. Yeah. Did you read about I, this? Yes, I did. Yes. And uh he was apparently with JTG, I think that. I, that I night. think he was too, yeah. But uh it was entertaining. It was uh I enjoyed reading about it and uh now, now he's got a great story to get hired back for the company. Good for him. Oh, I think Crime Time will be back. <laughs> they have to have more tag teams now that they split Raw and Smite. Oh yeah, the tag team division very light. Absolutely. It really, I mean, and I just don't see this with Cesaro and uh, Sheamus working out. So, well, there's just no, there's no bench. There's no, there's no chemistry there. There's no. no I think. That, well, the whole gimmick is that there's no chemistry, but I don't see the New Day being around as a tag team much longer. So yeah, I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't. They've wasted Gallows and Anderson. They've Enzo and Cass are doing the singles program with. Uh, Rusev, and even on SmackDown, it's ve- it's very light. Your choices of yeah. teams is, and now that Zack Ryder got hurt, blew out his knee on SmackDown, so now they're even they're one more tag team shorter. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a problem. I definitely have crime time. Bring them back, sure. Yeah. In the future, possibly a Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Hardy Boys reunion in WWE. Well, that's going around when it comes to talks of tag teams. That's kind of your. Your last tag team that hasn't had its its comeback in WWE. I think they're having too much fun now, and uh, they've made a lot of money. And I I don't know that they want to be back and subject to the the schedule and the rules and the right. Just like with Cody Rhodes, I just think that they're happier right. doing doing their own thing. I mean, never say never, Patrick. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. never thought I'd see Goldberg back in a ring, but you know, if they bring you enough money, you'll say yes to whatever. It's all a, I'm telling you. There's always a price. Everybody has a price. There is. You Ted never DiBiase say never in wrestling. Said, Everyone's got a price. Everyone's going to pay. True. And the million dollar man always gets his way. That's right. So if they want to spend a lot of money, 
which I don't see them doing because they've just hired all these cruiserweights. They're going to have to pay all these uh, British wrestlers for the UK tournament. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's the next one I was going to. They've already invested all this money into talent. I think they're going to hit put the brakes on paying yeah. people right now. Yeah. The United Kingdom Championship. Yes, which I don't think will be a title that is defended. I think this is more like a trophy that they just call a title. I don't think. I think it's going to be like the European title. Well, then why not have just called it the European title? Well, I agree. And when are you going to defend it? Uh, it's going to become a actual title on SmackDown or Raw. But it should only be defended in the United Kingdom. But they've already broken the rule because they have wrestlers from Ireland. Ireland's not a part of the United Kingdom. Correct. Northern Ireland is, but... They have Irish wrestlers in this tournament, so they've already ruined the name of the belt. You're right. I mean, I'm right. Excuse me. It should just be called the European title. Yeah. (laughs) They already had one. But this is a response. uh, A major television network over in Britain, ITV, they were going to bring back uh, World of Sport Wrestling. And so they were going to basically try to take over the market and do it right and beat the WWE to the punch. And so this is the preemptive strike from the WWE to say, no, we've got, we've got this market cornered as well. Yeah. And so now you're going to have all these British wrestlers uh, along with, they signed Nigel McGinnis to do commentary, which I think is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they bring him over to replace some of these guys on SmackDown and raw. If he could replace JBL, I would love SmackDown might be perfect then. (laughs) <laughs> or David Atunga. If I can get Nigel McGinnis instead of them, it'd be great. But uh, yeah, this is uh, an inch. It's only a two-day tournament, though. Yeah. So it's a lot of matches for for guys back to back. Not only that, it's yeah, it's really it's not like the CWC where it was broken up over a couple of tapings. I'm not really sure about this one, Patrick. But it's not for me. It's I'm for wondering them. if it's going to be something along the lines of like the King of the Ring, where we're going to do it once a year. Maybe, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That the belt looks beautiful, though. This is one the of the belt. Be- the belt, belt is badass. The belt looks badass because it's got the coat of arms. Yeah, in the, middle. the belt looks badass, and it's. Uh, I am so glad to see WWE actually take time to create a belt instead of the giant. Just w. put a W in the middle. Yeah. No, they did a great job with the belt, but like I said, I, unless they unless they're planning on doing a weekly show over in the United Kingdom, that yeah. you know, like I said, this isn't even meant for us as American fans. If that's where they want to defend this belt and keep it special and separate, maybe break it out at a WrestleMania or one of the big four, that's fine. But we can't have more belts on TV because yeah. we've just we've got too many as it is that are just like. On Sunday, Roman Reigns didn't even put the U.S. title up against Kevin Owens. Yeah. It wasn't a title for title match. Right. So you're already letting these belts go to waste. Yeah. So that's all. That's my only request for this thing. Otherwise, go for it, guys. Whatever you want to do. You think it'll turn into being more along the lines of a, uh, like a 205 or a, you know, an NXT, a a separate show for, for, the United Kingdom wrestling, per se. Yeah, I think that this, if they don't have the goal of turning this into a weekly show, yeah, yeah, I don't see much point in it. So I, I definitely see it as a weekly show. But you're gonna have to be a really, really, really hardcore wrestling fan. And even though we love, we're doing a podcast about wrestling. We love wrestling, but I haven't seen an episode of Two Hundred Five yet. Right. So you're really stretching us thin if you expect us to also watch that too like they're gonna do it 
if they do it, it's really not meant for us anyway. Right. It's meant for the British wrestling fan. So it's just extra for us for our nine ninety nine or whatever. And if we want to watch it, we can. But I don't. Like I said, they might break out that belt at a big four, but I don't see that belt being on Raw or SmackDown. So watching the show would be just to see guys that maybe one day will be on the main roster. But I would like to see, and this is just to throw out to me, have a tournament. The final two guys start off the show at WrestleMania to see who wins the United Kingdom title. That would be a hell of a start to kick that title off, to make it stand out as being something, and then have them go over there and do what they were going to do. That would be. It might still in. It might still be that way because I mean they could go to the finals of this tournament and then, and then just, let the finals be at WrestleMania. Yeah, so that would be cool. And my, I mean, I think that that would give it the best shot to work. Yeah, instead of just having it on a random show on the network. You know, yeah, that which with the time difference will air at like the middle of the day. Yeah, something. So, yeah, we'll see. Like quantity over quality. That's, yes. That's the that's the big uh, the movement. And last but certainly not least, a good friend of mine, legendary Booker T, is running for mayor of Houston. I'm glad you mentioned this. Now, all I'm going to say about Booker T is there, if you go back sometime when you're on YouTube and check out the episode of The Weakest Link from uh, when the WWF stars were on it. Yes. About... 10, 15 years ago now. Yeah. Booker T's one of them. Yes. Kane I'm was another. I'm going to include a clip on here. Kane, Book, Kane was another. He did good. Yeah. Kane made it like towards the end of the... the. I think the final two ended up being Stephanie and Triple H. Yeah. Because, you know, they teamed up and voted everyone out. They, oh, they were yeah. heels. Yeah. But Booker T, I think, got every single question wrong. And, it, and it's basic knowledge stuff. Every question the circle comes around to. And he takes like two minutes to do it. And so then, he was the weakest link. I think so. <laughs> and they did say goodbye. Uh, they, I was a big listener of Howard Stern uh, when he first went to Satellite Radio. So like 2006, 7, and 8 on there. They, they would get some of the old tapes or whatever. There was an interview this guy, the reporter for Howard Stern, Stuttering John, did with Booker T. And he asks Booker T just basic knowledge questions. And Booker T doesn't know any of them. And he just he gets very frustrated with Stuttering John and like, insults him and that you want this guy to be the mayor but like i said i don't think it matters no but the mayor the mayor's race in houston isn't until like 2019 or something oh is it really so booker t's getting in on this a little early i well, think he's just he's getting the, the crowd pumped he's getting ready he's also got a criminal history he's got a mug shot he's got a you know and and really and truly i did not realize how hard of a childhood and how hard of a life he had until I watched him sit down with JBL. He has had a very difficult, difficult life where he almost, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking. He was the grim reaper was knocking on his door at one point in time. He was really down and out and, uh, and battled back. So absolutely, man, more power to him. I have all the respect in the world for Booker T so we'll see what goes on. Well, I hope he's a better mayor than he is a commentator because he sucks <laughs> at commentators. I like Booker T. He seems like a cool guy, but he, yeah, I don't want him running my city though. I don't, I don't want him giving me a, a Houston hangover. <laughs> so, but last, actually, I, I now say this last, but certainly not least, 
What do you think about uh, this Charlotte and Sasha tossing the belt back? Oh, hell in a cell. It was over with. (laughs) Yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina, Monday Night Raw, main eventing. It It was was over over with. Iron Woman match. 30 minutes. It's over with. No, it's not. It's never over. It's never over. Charlotte's going to break Ric Flair's fictional record for titles here coming up before WrestleMania at this rate. Yeah, I mean, what, she's at four now? <laughs> maybe, maybe even five. Flair started wrestling in nine, or in 1970. It took him about 30 years to do it. And then 30, gonna... and from 1976, I think is when he started. So 76, somewhere right in there. 76 to 1990, it took, or 1989, it took him to win four world heavyweight titles. Charlotte's done it in a year. So, <laughs> you know, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't really like this, this tossing the belt back and forth, but... I think in any good wrestling feud, I think you should get about three shots in a row. Yeah, at the belt or whatever you're going. And then move for. on. And then if you can't, don't get it, it's over. Yeah, it's just it. It's over with and done with, and not. Oh, I lost it. I'll get another shot. It's like this with uh, with talking with raw talk or whatever they were talking about last night. Well, now is Bailey. Up for you know they asked her they asked Sasha is or I mean uh, Charlotte is is you know Bailey now wants her chance and Charlotte's like no I have unfinished business with with uh, Sasha no you don't and I'm sitting there thinking you just went thirty minutes with her what unfinished business do you not I mean it's done it's played they out they know each other's bodies better than probably their boyfriend exactly it's over with let it go well, it's just like and it, this is also happening. On the men's side, too, because, I mean, how many shots does Dolph Ziggler gets a shot at the Intercontinental title every single month? Sometimes he puts his career on the line and he wins the title and then he yeah. drops it at, you know, a random SmackDown and then he gets another shot. Then now he's got a shot at the world title. He just keeps getting shots. You know, he loses everything, you know. I'm telling you, your next WWE champion, James Ellsworth. Are we finally going to get the match this week? They keep baiting and switching us. They keep pulling WCW. Well, I mean... AJ's hurt, yeah. AJ's hurt. Your main event for SmackDown's next pay-per-view, not not Royal Rumble, but will, your, whatever next SmackDown's next pay-per-view will be, it will be James Ellsworth and AJ Styles. They're going to string you along till then. I, I don't I don't see that happening, but... I, I do. They're going to string you along and have you believe that you're finally getting this. Well, Dolph won the match on SmackDown this past week, so now he's in. He gets a title shot. So now we've got two contenders lined up. So triple threat. So I there think that's because that's the easy way out. That's when they don't know how to book. They just say, "I'll just make it a triple threat." I would love to see. I'm still telling. I'm calling it right now. James Ellsworth wins the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he's gonna toss Goldberg and Brock Lesnar over. He's gonna f five. Come Brock. down to. It's gonna come down to Goldberg and James Ellsworth. And James Ellsworth is going to pull out his best impression of Gilberg, and he's going to win it. Well, that's quite a prediction. I sincerely hope you're wrong. but I'm not saying he's going to WrestleMania. I'm just saying he's going to win the Royal Rumble. Well, and that wraps up a really uneventful week in wrestling, but actually there was a lot there. Yeah. There was 30 minutes worth there. Yeah. Well, we're coming upon, we are coming upon Patrick the New Year. You could even say it'll be a, a, it's a new year, a new president. You could say it's a new revolution. Yeah, absolutely. Just like they said in 1990, 
for the Great American Bash. It was indeed a new revolution. That was the tagline for our review this week, Patrick's Pick, Great American Bash 1990. July 7th, of course, 1990, Baltimore Arena in Maryland in front of 14,000 fans. Even though this was a small arena, Patrick, it was full. It was jammed. Yeah, I didn't see a single empty seat. This is better than being 14,000 in the Georgia Dome. This is pack in your 14,000 in a small venue. Yeah. And then it'll look full. We get the open with the Declaration of Independence, and instead of the stars on the flag just being stars, Patrick, they are the WCW stars because, like, Scott Steiner, Sting, Rick Steiner. They all appear in the stars of the flag as the graphic comes into play. So it's quite a very retro-looking thing. This did not age well. Yeah. Uh, in the 26 years that have, almost 27 years that have followed. But a very cool intro. Tonight there will be 11 matches. Or that's what they say at first. 11 matches and five championships decided tonight. Bob Cottle. Are you familiar with Bob Cottle's work? Can you I do know Bob, Bob Cottle. Cottle. Bob, Bob Cottle came along on the last little run through of Georgia Championship Wrestling. If I'm, I could be wrong. From mid south, yeah, onto onto Georgia Championship Wrestling, and uh, and so then kind of started over in from from there to WCW. And the reason we have no Tony Schiavone is because this is when he made his brief exodus to the WWF and had a couple of pay-per-views that he called there before they gave him the boot. So This was his cup of coffee in the big time. <laughs> yes, Macho Man. This was Tony Schiavone's one shot at glory. So right, right. He would actually be heading back to WCW pretty soon after this, but that's why no Tony Schiavone here tonight. Well, which- you're going to see a, a very young... Undertaker, right before he leaves to head up. To oh the, yes, this was a the big times. A right, the, not a good trade. Game. You get Tony Schiavone back, and you send the Undertaker away. Yeah, yeah. Mark Callis, Mark Calloway, mean Mark, mean Mark. He Callis. is mean, and he is Mark. That heart punch is ugly. <laughs> well, we didn't get to see it tonight, but we'll get into that. Uh, Jr. welcomes us in, and they tease the debut tonight, the North American debut. Big Van Vader. Yep. Which, uh, he turned out to be a big player for WCW, but not in 1990. It would take a few years for him to... Yeah, it would, it would hit about 92, 93 before you you started seeing Vader step up. And what started that, I think, was his feud with Cactus Jack. When, he, when you throw him in there with Mick Foley, those two beat the hell out of each other. Your boy, Gary Michael Capetta. He's our ring announcer tonight. They're going to announce the first contest, but we missed... We missed a dark match between David Sierra and Mr. X. Are you familiar with their work? No. Me neither. It was, and it ran 10 minutes and 6 seconds, so that's the match we did not get to see. Who won? Uh, David Sierra defeated Mr. X, so there you go. I was curious. Yeah, I know. The people are clamoring. Do you want want to find out who Mr. X is? I'm sure you do. I am actually quite curious. I'm sure that's another wrestler just under a mask. Mr. X is... Mr. X is a wrestler named John Hill. Who died in 2010. He was a Canadian professional wrestler. He was known as the Stomper, Gentleman Jerry Valiant, and Guy Mitchell. Okay. Gentleman he wrestled Jerry from Valiant. the 60s to, man, he was, he had like a 30-year career. I remember Jimmy, uh, Gentleman Jimmy Valiant there. Jerry no, Valiant, this is I mean. Jerry Valiant. Jerry Valiant. I remember I remember that character. This is, a, this is how he became Jerry Valiant <laughs> because Jimmy Valiant, in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, contracted hepatitis. 
So they needed a fill-in, so that's why he became the other Valiant. His picture on Wikipedia is epic. It's like old-school wrestling. It is old-school. Yeah, black and white, got the big pants on. David Sierra, let's see what David Sierra turned into. He was known as Fidel Sierra, the Cuban assassin. I've heard the name quite a few times of the Cubans. Uh, He was big in Puerto Rico. Yeah, the Cuban assassin, but I haven't, I've never put a face with it. Yeah, and there's not a picture on Wikipedia, so he will go unknown. He's only 56, though, so he's still around. Probably still wrestles. (laughs) I don't think so. If he can't make the card on an 11-match pay-per-view, then we're not going to run into him again. I got a feeling we might. Buddy Landell is already in the ring. Nature Boy Buddy Landell. Two Nature Boys on the show. I wanted to specify this here. There has been so many gimmicks. Nature Boy. Of the Nature Boy. Buddy Rogers, Buddy Landell, Ric Flair, so on and so forth. Paul Lee and Ringgold. Let's let that one go. Anyway, so on and so forth. However, Buddy Landell did not get credit for what he actually was capable of in the ring. Buddy Landell is very underrated for his abilities. Uh... And that's because he came along at the exact same time that you had Nature Boy Ric Flair. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's... And at so, that point, you need to rethink your gimmick. Yeah, I no. Think. I, yeah, absolutely. It's it's so bizarre because this is something that would never happen today where you had... Well, I say that. Crash Holly and, you know, Hardcore Holly. You know, they yeah. two people with the same gimmick. But I don't, I don't see this happening ever yeah. anymore. No. You know... Well, and they were, you know, they were supposed to be relatives. So they're like a tag team, Hardcore and Crash Holly. But, yeah. like, this is just... Two random people. Two, Yeah, two unrelated people that have the same gimmick. Like, yeah. What do you think about that? I mean... It's, uh, well, I mean, and I've seen... Why? Video footage of the two of them actually wrestling. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the goal, I'm sure. Was uh, Who was, was the real nature boy? And I'm sure so, that was the goal all along, uh... Was to eventually have, you know, a big payoff to this. Yeah. But is that an old school thing where where wrestlers would just reuse gimmicks over and over again? Is that just something I think that- so. Because you had, I mean, the Mongolian Stomper, every single territory had their version of the Stomper. As you just, you know, quoted Mr. X there, he was, a, you know, a Stomper at one point in time. Or uh, Are you the Mr. Wrestling gimmick. Mr. Wrestling gimmick. You know, Bill Eady at one point in time, you know, acts as we were talking about earlier from Demolition, uh, Mr. Wrestling at one point in time. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, but what what I'm getting at is every single territory, which back in that time, you still had your territories, had, this, right. you know, had their gimmicks. And, and so that was, uh, so yeah, I mean, you don't see it anymore, but back in, back in the old days, you didn't have a sting. You know, that's well, what, that's what, that's what made Sting so special was because not only was it, was it a cool guy, but it was a fresh new character. It was something you'd never seen before. Well, I mean, the ultimate warrior, I mean, the Blade Runners, I mean, not in that, there was no one like Sting in WCW in NWA in the Southern Territories. Ever before or, I mean, up till that You could point say time. that the Road Warriors are kind of, I mean, face painted. Yeah, but, I mean. The not boy. a not a 
Not with like the baby face, uh, right? Fire that Sting had, basically. Right. And so that's a good what, guy, and that's what caught the eye, obviously, of of Ric Flair. But but I mean, you. What I'm saying is, you had multiple gimmicks. You had the Iron Sheik. Everybody oh, was Sheiks. Everybody yeah. was a Sheik. Yeah. The Iron Sheik. The Kolovs. The, the Russians. You had. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there was multiple gimmicks used throughout the careers. Of, well, they of just see something that works and said, I'll just take that. Yeah. I'll just take that and run with it because I know that it works. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess probably when, when Ric Flair took it, you know, he's wrestling in front of people that may have never heard of the original, you know, Nature Boy. Yeah. So, but now you can't, with TV and the internet, you just, you can't do that yeah. anymore. Now you've got to just... Well, and in, in wrestling, the wrestling business has changed to where now it's just be yourself. There's, you don't really have characters. Right. And so I think that stands out for for something in and of itself as well. You've got to find personality traits within yourself that already exist and then expound upon them. Right. And you mentioned Dolph Ziggler. Okay. Dolph Ziggler, he's the show off. He's Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> There's nothing different than that. There's not. That's just him with the knob turned wide open, just like Austin. But Austin was a, you know, was just full-blown redneck. And what did he do? He just turned the knob wide open. But when you talk about, like, Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler's not an, an even with the knob turned up on who Dolph Ziggler naturally is, it's not really that entertaining. What I'm saying is you, we, we sit here and we obviously have shit on Dolph Ziggler a few times. As we did just in this, you know, in this show. But Dolph Ziggler's had a hell of a career so far. Oh, well, he's an excellent performer. I'm just saying that that's the reason he's not the top guy is because oh, yeah. people like Dolph Ziggler, like a mean Mark Callis, need something given to them. Yeah. To succeed. They can't just be who they are because some of us just aren't that interesting, you know, yeah. and even if we crank it to 11... Even when we're in our most entertaining mode, we're still just not. Well, I mean, as you say, Mark Callis, you know, you do have one character left, and that's <laughs> that's the Undertaker. Well, they've at times they've tinkered with him, so. But we're getting way off track. No, we, we, I'm yeah. just saying that that shows the the special specialness of of the Undertaker. But I mean, yeah, we're getting off track. But I'm just saying, there's you know multiple different ways to take this and yeah buddy landell's already in the ring he's gonna take on flying brian who runs to the ring he's got his bengal speedo on and he is bursting at the seams with uh his steroid body here he is yeah brian pillman was jacked. jacked he was jacked for and with with bigger people when they are obviously probably on some substances they carry it better than a little guy like Brian Pillman. It just looks so unnatural on him, you know, all this muscle mass. Yeah. And there's a guy later on in this show who really, I thought, like, whoa. I, I'll mention it later, but he made Brian Pillman look like he was a normal-sized yeah. person. But right away, WCW, with their good production value here, they tried to put their names up on the screen, and the they're just blank. They just put the blank lower thirds up, so... Good luck. I hope you heard the announcer say who these people were because you're not going to be getting it on the screen. They start out the match with just Landell hits some huge chops on uh, Brian Pillman. That was 
That was Landell's main offense was just yeah. fucking chops. Yeah, and it was he hit it, and that was it. Uh, Pillman hits a crossbody off the second rope early for a one count. JR clarifies, actually only four titles will be defended tonight. Arn won't be defending his TV title, so we get robbed of that because he's in that multi-man tag match. Yep. Landell, I love this because Buddy Landell did not have a very muscular body, but he would go outside the ring and he would pose. He would, you know, show off the guns. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's great heel move. If you have a terrible-looking body, you know, act like it's awesome, you know, just... And the crowd really loved... You know, they booed and, you know, he got yeah. he got heat for it. He so. knew how to work the crowd, absolutely. That And that goes back to what we were saying about him. So, JR goes over Pillman's football background. This is what JR, in he the loves, early 90s, he loves football backgrounds. He loves him some football backgrounds. If you played football, JR knew your stats and everything. He's a huge football, and especially college. He didn't, yeah. you know, he would touch it. Oh, yeah, he was also on the Bengals, but he all, you know, college. It's all college yeah. football for this guy. Uh, Landell, he loves doing a lot of arrogant heel stuff. Like, he'll slap Pillman, and then he'll run away. He'll hide behind the ref. I thought Landell did a great job in this match because if you don't have a super, if you don't have a lot of offense, you know, you can still ma- make the match entertaining by doing stuff like this. So I had a match one time with a female. We locked up and touched only seven times, and we went 13 minutes, and that place was loving it. <laughs> that's true wrestling right there. Yeah, that that's a lot harder than actually putting on than a great actually putting on a match. great yeah. Uh, Pillman tries a crossbody off the second rope, but Landell catches him and hits a backbreaker. Jr. mentions that Landell. This is where kayfabe weights come into play. That Jr. mentions that Landell only has a 16 pound weight advantage on Pillman. No, I think Buddy Landell probably outweighed Pillman by. 30, 40 pounds here at least. Yeah. He yeah. was like JR was saying, oh, he's just got a 16. No, 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 no. Buddy Landell is huge, you know, yeah. a huge belly. Yeah. Buddy, nice... Buddy was looking was looking pretty, pretty big. <laughs> yeah. I said the action here is just, yeah, mostly limited to chops and strikes. Uh one cool move, Landell snapmares Pillman into a neck vice and then a chin lock. Landell hits a vertical suplex on Pillman, but the end of the match comes when Pillman gets his high crossbody off the top rope for the win in 9 minutes, 29 seconds. In what JR called a fast-paced opening contest. I wouldn't go that far to say that it was a uh, fast pace, but uh, Landell, you know, he, he did what he needed to do in the match uh, to get Pillman over. Both, you know, Pillman's still very green at this point, so there's not going to be a lot of, even if Pillman knew a lot of wrestling moves, like Landell, this isn't the guy to do it on. And Yeah. So I thought this was actually a pretty good opener. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. It it showcased what the it showcased the excitement of what this show was going to was going to turn into even more. You're going to love my match of the night pick coming up a little bit later. I have two, so. Oh, wow. Gordon Sully is standing by. He's going to do uh, all our sideline reporting tonight and he runs down the card again. Meanwhile, behind him you see the talent go to the ring. Sheiky baby, the Iron Sheik. Here he is in 1990 in WCW. He's in the ring, and then Captain Mike Rotunda, IRS, is in the ring with his green windbreaker and his white hat, looking very, uh, very boring. Mike his- Rotunda later became IRS, and uh, the Iron Sheik. This was just about six to seven months before he would leave to go back to WWE, and that's uh, right, and yeah. be with uh, be with the with Slaughter, the Gulf War. Yes, yeah. So. Uh, so the, a rare occurrence to see Iron Sheik around this time. Around yes. this time, I was actually surprised at how mobile he was. Honestly, yeah, he moved really well for 
for his age at this point in time. Sheik jumps on Captain Mike by hitting him with the flag, and then he, he takes Rotunda's jacket off for him, so that was nice. Sheik has a giant Audi belly button. <laughs> this is pretty gross, and I am so I apologize to any Audi belly buttons out there, but I find this to be pretty uncommon. Do you know a lot of Audi belly buttons? I do not. This is a very weird thing to but me. But this is like either... Either steroids were exploding this thing, <laughs> or this He's looks pregnant. like this looks like you could serve a pizza on it. Okay, <laughs> like this thing's way out. I've never really thought about it before. I mean, because I've got to take notes for you know this show. <laughs> I've never really thought about it before, but Audi belly buttons to me are just bizarre. Like, yeah, they're yeah. just. It's one thing that I've never been comfortable with <laughs> because it just doesn't seem right for some reason. And he's got a giant one. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. Well, I... Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Rotunda hits a body slam and then a drop kick combination on Sheik. And then Sheik bails outside. You know, Sheik bails outside. JR calls Sheik hitting Rotunda with the flag a terrorist attack, which uh, I think that's a bit of an exaggeration there. The crowd has lots of little American flags that they wave at the Sheik. I mean, it is the great American bash. Yeah. So I guess they gave out flags at the door. Sheik returns to the ring and hits a gut wrench suplex on Rotunda for a two count. Gut wrench suplex. Yeah. Sheik was was showing some serious muscle power here. Then he locks in an abdominal stretch. Rotunda hip tosses him out of it after Randy Anderson kicks Sheik's hand off the ropes. He was using the ropes for leverage. I don't like it when the ref kicks the hand off the ropes, Patrick. I think the ref shouldn't, you know, go into business for himself like that. Hey, if you don't if you exactly, just them, gently remove the hand off the ropes. Some of those guys are gripped so hard you can't. Don't kick them. You gotta you gotta give a little heave ho. We get a belly to back suplex from Sheik to Rotunda for a two count. Sheik eats a lot of strikes from Rotunda and then begs for forgiveness on the ground by bowing to Rotunda at one point. He bows to him like a statue. <laughs> I love that. Then uh, Mike Rotunda, Captain Mike, hits a vertical suplex and covers Sheik for a two count. Sheik is just drenched in sweat as this match goes on. I say it goes on. It only lasted 646. It ends in a very dramatic finish when Rotunda gets a backslide on Sheik. A backslide. For a five count, I want to specify. (laughs) This was not a three count. This was a five count. Pee Wee Anderson decided just to keep going. So. And so my Captain Mike wins one for America, for Team America in 646 in uh, a match that happened. Yeah, and for six minutes, I thought it went longer because every move Iron Sheik would do, he would stop and pose. Even though he was he was more mobile than I've seen him, he was still pretty immobile. And yeah. it, just, it felt the match did feel a lot longer than 646. Yeah. After a decent opener, I thought we went down, uh, down a peg from the yeah, opening match. I would I would say so as well. I've got a feeling though, talking about body types, this next oh, match yeah. this next match might be exactly what you were hinting at. Gordon Soley is standing by with Harley Race. He says he's gonna beat Tommy Rich tonight, but he really will just wants to watch the main event with Flair and Sting and says Flair will get beat tonight if he's not on his toes. Not looking good when a fellow bad guy says that you're gonna get beat by the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> not very but that's what a bad guy would do though. Technically, right? No. He should stand with his heel, but yeah. a heel's in it for himself. Heels stay together. That's why you have a heels locker room and a baby's locker room. I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, well, I mean, I agree with the locker room thing, but I, I'm not sure I agree with the 
I don't care what happens in your match. I mean, but I would never, I would never say the baby face. It's, is it's, I'm going to watch your back, but then I'm going to screw you over when I get the chance. That's what it comes down to. What he should have said is, I don't care about the main event. It's I'm not in it. Well, I mean, I'm going home. Oh yeah, I would agree. Fuck the main event is what I would agree. I guess what he should have said. Really, yeah. we go back to the ring, and here is your uh, Dutch Mantel. Dutch Mantel, who has a a sweater of body hair over himself, and a for those of you who don't know who Dutch Mantel is, Dutch Mantel went to WWE and became Brother Zeb, Zeb Coulter. Dutch Mantel also was a. Uh, a big star for Smoky Mountain Wrestling and a big part of being able to get Smoky Mountain in 93 bought for, uh, brought over to WWF at the time, which is the big star out of that became Sonny. So yeah, he's had a great, a great career and he's done a lot backstage almost more than he did, you know, in front of the scene. Does comedy shows now like Mick Foley. Yeah. Before finally, uh, you know, I guess he's most recently known for trying to give the old rub to uh, Jack Swagger in yeah. the uh, the Real Americans. Yeah. yeah, but he is taking on. Here is the most rooted out man, Lou Ferrigno. No, I'm just my kidding. goodness, Doug <laughs> Furness. Boy, oh boy, there must have been no. Oh, I, yeah, this is 1990. There's definitely no drug testing policy. Well, I mean, uh, and we've talked about Doug Furness quite a few times in this show. I'm a huge Doug Furness fan. Very underrated guy, but oh my god, he looked like a baked potato. Like, this guy bursting. looked. This guy looked like he just walked off of the stage of the, the World Bodybuilding yeah, Federation, yeah. Mr. Olympia, or something. His traps. I mean, His, yeah, it looked like he had two necks, basically. Yeah, like a muscle really, neck and a regular neck. It really did. His. And his arms were probably my waist, and I I'm a 46. This guy, oh my goodness, or 42. I mean, it couldn't so. be. From polar ends of the body spectrum, this match between Dutchman, you know, Dirty Dutch, and and this guy, this I mean, Dutchman, tell not in great shape, covered in body hair, you know, yeah. just looks like an average guy that's just really, really hairy. Yeah. And then you got Doug fucking Furnace walking in there, yeah, like cut from stone. This really looked like seventies Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. Yeah. Well, I'm not exaggerating here. This was. So the match starts. Doug Furnace hits a shoulder block that sends Mantell outside the ring. Furnace lifts Mantell up for a press slam and actually holds him, presses him for a little while before throwing him down. Mantell's offense is mainly slapping Furnace, and that gets Furnace fired up. I love that. That is that was done so well. Get him in the corner, just smack him. And referee, walk away. referee gets in between them, smacks him. Just walk oh, away. Uh, just walk away. That. Oh, that pissed Furnace off. Yeah, yeah. It and was, it pissed the fans off, too. Yeah. Which was, it was done, oh, it was done so well. Because I was sitting there watching it like, that SOB, you know, I started catching myself getting into it. Yeah, and then Furnace finally pays him back because they go to the corner, and then he rears his left hand back and just does a big theatrical smack on uh, Dutch Mantel in the corner. And uh, he goes up for the turnbuckle punches, but instead of doing the 10 turnbuckle punch, this is a, like the first time I've ever seen the turnbuckle punches, someone not do all 10. Yeah. He does like three of them and then does a backflip yeah. off of the turnbuckle and then whips Dutch to the ropes and then hits a drop kick. It was one of the weirdest. Yeah. It was entertaining, this combination, but like I've never seen someone just do three turnbuckle punches. Yeah, don't do the full 10. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because the crowd started counting. And yeah. Like one, two, and he, they started counting like four and five, and he had already stopped. They're like, what? Uh, Furnace really sells a wrist lock that Mantell applies. And uh, then Mantell locks in an arm bar. Furnace scoop slams uh, Dutch and then tries a top rope splash, but Dutch rolls out of the way. Man, Dutch's offense here was just working wrist locks and slowing Furnace down because Furnace, you know, slow the fast man down. Uh, Dutch hits a snap, suplex, covers for two, and then Furnace would kick out so furiously that Dutch would do the uh, Macho Man Royal Rumble, you know, when he kicks out, go flying up in the oh, air, yeah. really sell how strong yeah. uh, Doug Furnace is. He argues with the ref, and Furnace schoolboys him, but only gets a two count. Furnace then hits a flying clothesline, then a power slam, and a belly-to-belly for the three, and Furnace gets the win in 11-18. And he is, he's being billed as the world's strongest man, and from the looks of him, I would believe. I would believe it, yeah. I mean... And Dutch Mantel... Now, Doug Furnace is a great wrestler. But Dutch Mantel made him look like a million bucks in this match. Oh, yeah, and I thought he made him look good without making himself look... Look bad. And that's that's how good Dutch Mantel really is. But, yeah, like the slaps in the corner, that's just do it the easy way, yeah. you know, and still get the same results. I mean, he could have stayed... In, I mean, Furnace could have squashed him in two minutes, but this, yeah. uh, this is... Did it, I think this is better when you, yeah. when you have a long showing. Get your you, cheap shot. And then do the do the shit can and and you know get your cheap shot do the shit can and then the baby finally gets his hands on you for good and wears you the hell out yeah that was that was old school wrestling and very well done yeah so I mean in today's booking world they would never get eleven eighteen this would be no a two yeah. minute uh, Braun Strowman squash match here Gordon Sully's with Jim Cornette. Uh, they run down the card for us again. This is what Gordon Sully was doing every interview segment is running down the card. They were ready to get out of there, it seems like. Jim Cornette cuts a promo on the Southern Boys. I'll include it here. Thank you, Jim. And yes, Mr. Cornette is with me. Your men put the titles on the line tonight against the Southern Boys. You know, this is a big night for professional wrestling. You got the junkyard dog, Paul Orndorff, and El Higanti taking on the horseman and six-man tag team action. You got Sting trying to prove to the whole world, is he really able to beat the greatest wrestler in the world, Nature Boy, Ric Flair? <laughs> then you got the Southern Boys. You know, Steve Armstrong wanted to be a country star, except he had to give up singing because of his throat. Somebody threatened to cut it. So now they're wrestlers, and they say they're pretty good ones. Well, i tell you something, Southern boys, when you sit back there in that dressing room, I want you to look yourselves in the mirror, and I want you to ask yourselves a question. Are we big enough? Are we bad enough? Are we mean enough, tough enough? Have we got guts enough to get in that ring and take a tag team championship away from the Midnight Express? Because every great team in wrestling over the years have tried. Very few have succeeded, and those that did knew that they were in the fight of their life. The Midnight Express are the best in the world at what they do. And Southern boys, you may be champions one day, but not this day. Then uh, Harley Race and Tommy Rich are in the ring. This is a rematch from when Tommy Rich defeated Harley Race and upset for the, for the NWA World Heavyweight title. This right here is old school wrestling at its very best. Oh, no. This, this match stunk. I have this as match of the night. Oh, of course you do. You always find the worst match. I have just, this as match of the night. Because oh, this is true wrestling right oh, this here. This is bullshit is what this is. This is Harley Race, the end of his rope. He's about to be retired. And he just wanted his win back. And so he made this happen and get his win back against Tommy Rich in the mid-card of a match, you know, a pay-per-view. And This was a great match. 
So Harley Race and Tommy Rich, wildfire Tommy Rich, are in the ring. Race hits a clothesline and misses an elbow drop. Rich scoop slams him, locks in a headlock. Then Tommy Rich sends Harley Race into the turnbuckle and locks in a wrist lock. Race hits a big knee to Tommy Rich, followed by a pile driver, which Tommy Rich sells by bouncing to his feet and then fumbling out of the ring onto the ramp. So he took a, a pile driver, stands he, up, and then falls out of the ring. Yeah, that was great sell by, by Tommy. <laughs> I don't think so. Race suplexes Rich on the elevated ramp, that old lifted WCW ramp. They get back into the ring. Race headbutts Tommy Rich and sends him back out of the ring. Tommy Rich gets back in. They clothesline race over the top ropes to the mats below, which, by the way, the over-the-top roll rule was really not enforced on this pay-per-view. No, it wasn't. Except when it was, in the one match that it was. Uh, Rich, uh, they go outside, on t- they crash to the mats, and then uh, Tommy Rich slams Harley Race onto the mats. They get back into the ring. Tommy Rich goes upstairs and hits a big right hand to a downed Harley Race. But then Race hits a belly-to-belly on Tommy Rich for a two-count. Race hits a signature neck breaker on Tommy Rich. Then Tommy Rich knees Harley Race into the ropes. They both get knocked over the ropes again. They get back into the ring, and this is the finish. Tommy Rich hits a high cross off the top rope, but Race Harley Race rolls through it, grabs the tights, and gets the win over Tommy Rich. Six minutes, 32 seconds. Match of the night. Oh, no. Bullshit. Match of the night. And an unbelievable match. There was no reason for this match to be taking place. But it happened. It happened, but it was not match of the night. Not by a long shot. It was okay. It was fine. I would have preferred this to happen on like Clash of the Champions or something. See, this is your this is my Dory Funk Nick Bockwinkle all over again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <exactly. laughs> I mean true old school wrestling that I love and you're like, it was shit. No, I just I I thought the crowd was sort of dead for this match. Oh yeah, they were. I mean in their eyes it was kind of Harley Race's Well it was just about a swan song. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I mean I know Tommy Rich is capable of a lot more. And really, back in his day, Harley Race would have been. So I just, if this match had happened years earlier, I think it would have been okay. But yeah, just too slow, not much going on. The ending's kind of bullshit. It's not a definitive end, but the feuds, there's no feud. You know, this yeah. is just a one-off. I, I could skip. I, I would advise you to skip this one. And do Patrick not, says, Do match. not skip this match. We go back to Gordon Sully. He's with Paul E. Dangerously, who is managing Mean Mark Callis. All right, the U.S. title does go on the line. The total package defending against a Mean Mark. Paulie Dangerously is here. How confident are you? Well, first of all, let me just say that tonight... Nature Boy Ric Flair is going to prove that he is the greatest heavyweight champion of all time when he knocks Sting out of contention. And the heir apparent to that throne, mean Mark Callis tonight, will take Lex Luger. And you know, speaking of Luger, I got this, I don't know if it's a t-shirt or if it's toilet paper, and it shows Lex about to flex. You know, Lex, the first time you do this against this man, 
he's gonna rip your stinking head off and spit right down your throat because you never will be half the man that this man is. You never will be the U.S. champion that this man can be when you go home to your family tonight. Well, we'll find out later now. Let's go back to the ring. Who, yes, we mentioned turns out to be The Undertaker later that year in 1990. Well, in November of that year. So this is July. So this was literally probably his last month in NWA before he would go. This might be the only pay per view he appears in for WCW. I can check. Because this was in July and he shows up in November. Actually, before November. It's more like October is when he signed with WWE and did some house shows before doing Survivor Series. So Yeah, the next WCW pay-per-view is Halloween Havoc. He's definitely not He's there. He's already so. gone. So I'm, And you're looking at three months, July, July, August, September, October, and October's when he showed up. So really two months, two months left in, uh, in Mark Callis. Mark Calloway, his uh, his run in, in the NWA. So. But you were excited to be able to see him in a WCW NWA environment. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, you talked about how he's the last character left, basically, Yeah, in pro wrestling. And they're so protective of his character that this is actually something I'm surprised that they didn't edit out of this pay-per-view, honestly, because it's just like how... When Rey Mysterio's with the company, they tried to, you know, erase that he was ever unmasked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So this is actually something that I thought that they might just clip out just because, like, Undertaker didn't exist before Survivor Series. You know, this this guy didn't yeah. exist before Survivor Series ni- 1990. So yeah. I was looking forward to it. And because I didn't watch wrestling at this time. Uh, so, yeah, this was I was just curious to see what he was like, you know, because I, I, I didn't know anything about him. And his tag team as the Skyscrapers was a really good tag team as well. So, yeah, I wasn't familiar with Undertaker and WCW. You know, I just wanted to see if they really, you know, if they missed the boat on him or not. Yeah. Um, We'll get into that after the match, what I think about Mean Mark here. But uh, Pauly, he cuts a promo about Lex Luger. He brings out a Luger t-shirt and says, if he tries to flex on Mean Mark, he'll get ripped up like this shirt. And then they tear the shirt up. Yes. Mean Mark, he didn't really get to speak in this promo. He was not on the mic, and he was just mumbling. A big, tall guy that doesn't talk. I mean, what could you do with him? You know, yeah. He doesn't have a future in this business. Not going to make it. <laughs> this is the match of the night coming up. I agree. I also had this was my second match oh, of the night. Oh, see, no. This no, isn't even you, the same right universe. I know, I know that you wrote I believe that you wrote it, but this is by far the best match of the night. The Wild-Eyed Southern Boys are out next. They are wearing Confederate soldier uniforms and they have rebel flag tights patrick i don't think in uh 2016 you'll be seeing this this attire but you will see if you ever have tracy smothers at a show near you get into that conversation with him because he will make an argument that you cannot dispute just saying and he still wears it to this day i'm not i mean still to this day tracy smothers good friend of mine and i love tracy to death Great wrestler. The wild-eyed Southern boys are, of course, Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. The forgotten Armstrong brother, I he would really, say. really, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. They'll be facing the U.S. Tag Team Champions, the, the Midnight, Midnight Express. Express. And they came out to a dubbed-over theme song. We didn't get their real song yeah. on the network version. 
But uh, yeah, your your team, your boy, beautiful Bobby here. Yes, <laughs> Bobby. He sold his ass off for the <laughs> the majority of this mask, this match. Yeah, it was mainly you know Bobby gets in the ring, gets battered. Yeah, gets the hot tag to stay in lane, and then stay in clear styles. Yeah, yeah. So the match starts out. Bobby Eaton knocks Armstrong out of the ring right away. The Southern Boys hit a double backdrop and shoulder block on beautiful Bobby. They double team Bobby. The Midnight Express. They, I enjoyed this. They would get outside the ring and regroup a Cornette. They would actually get some managing. Yeah. Get some coaching. And I loved at one point Tom Cornette said, I'm working here and shoves the camera back. That was, yeah. That was great. Cornette yells to a fan, you sit your ugly face down, you pig face moron. That's great. The, the fans. That's great. Someone really got on Jim Cornette's nerves, I guess. That's beautiful. It was almost like he got upset at the Dairy Queen drive through that one time. Oh, if you haven't seen that video, by the way, look that up. So Bobby is going to start. The match is going to officially start out with Bobby versus Armstrong. Armstrong gets the heat on Bobby. He hits a drop kick and flying top turnbuckle clothesline. The Southern boys hit a double team slap on beautiful Bobby. Tracy Smothers tags in. Smothers hits a super kick on Bobby Eaton, the first of many. Bobby eats another super kick after being whipped to a turnbuckle. Bobby finally tags in Stan Lane. JR mentions Lane's got a karate background. Is that true? Probably That not. is true, actually. Stan Lane does have a, a black belt in karate. He karate chops Tracy Smothers to come into the ring. Then Lane lights Tracy up with martial arts strikes, and then Smothers does the same thing. We have a karate standoff here. Tracy Smothers is a karate black belt as well, so this was very interesting to see. Eaton tries to break it up, but he gets super kicked for his troubles. The Midnight Express regroup and Lane gets back into the ring. Now Smothers and Lane do some mat wrestling for a minute before Lane tags out. Bobby Eaton walks back in and gets hip-tossed by Smothers. This is all just Bobby getting taking offense, basically. Yeah, Bobby's getting his ass kicked. Smothers hits a springboard kick, and Eaton bails outside to regroup, but Smothers kicks him through the ropes for his trouble. JR mentions that Eaton must feel like a punching bag, and yes, I would agree. He is getting super kicked left and right. He's getting thrown out of the ring. Lane gets into the ring and whips Eaton into Smothers into a turnbuckle, but Smothers hops out of the way, allowing Armstrong to hit a top turnbuckle crossbody on both members of the Midnight Express. So Southern Boy's looking good here, really good. The Southern Boys try to cover both Midnight Express members at once. Is that legal in the tag match? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Check your referee handbook. Lane, How many matches have you had with where two guys will cover a guy? I actually think that's kind of rare. I thought it was cool that they did that, but it is. No, I see. I've seen them where one guy covers one guy and the other guy covers the other guy. Yeah, but they. This is a good idea. Put yeah. extra weight on this guy. Yeah. Smothers and Eaton get into the ring, and Eaton tag. Eaton tags Lane into the match. Lane chucks Smothers out of the ring. Stan Lane whips Smothers into the guardrail. Cornette finally gets his racket spot in, and uh, hits. Hits Tracy Smothers. Smothers tries to get back into the ring, and Lane knocks him off the ring apron into the guardrail. Lane hits an atomic drop on Smothers when he gets back in. He hits an atomic drop, which which sends Smothers into Bobby Eaton's backbreaker, and then Eaton takes him down with a clothesline, so a good tag-team combination there. The Midnight Express strings Smothers up across the ropes, and Lane hits him in the back. Lane does more karate kicks on Smothers in the corner. Then Smothers hits another super kick to slow Eaton down. So he's taken like four super kicks in this match. Eaton gets a scoop slam and then goes upstairs for the big leg drop. 
that the crowd cheers for. They pop for this. But then he tags Lane in, and Lane keeps Smothers from getting the tag. It's just, there's a lot of action in this match. There so really, It's yeah. hard to keep up with. Eaton tags in and hits a swing neck breaker on Tracy Smothers and throws him outside the ring. Eaton flops Smothers in the ring and tags in Stan Lane. Lane hits a double underhook suplex on Smothers. And the Midnight Express tag again, and Steve Armstrong cannot get the tag to get in the match to save his partner. So the Midnight Express keep making quick tags and decimating Smothers in the corner. Finally, Armstrong gets the hot tag and he cleans house. He smacks the shit out of Stan Stan Lane, hits a flying shoulder block. Smothers lifts Lane up and Armstrong drop kicks Lane out of Smothers' arms. So, very impressive stuff. The ref is distracted trying to get Smothers out of the ring. So, by the time he makes a count, Lane kicks out at one off of this huge double super move here. Eaton pushes Armstrong off the turnbuckle and his neck snaps on the rope. The Express hit the rocket launcher, but Armstrong kicks out at two and two-thirds. So, the rocket launcher not good enough to put the uh, the wild-eyed southern boys out. They use twin magic, even though they don't look very similar. I mean, they have they look kind of similar. Blonde hair and rebel tights. Curly hair. Blonde curly hair and rebel flag tight. Good enough. Twin magic. They trick the ref, and Smothers tries to small package Eaton, but Eaton kicks out at two, so twin magic didn't work. A rare instance where twin magic didn't work. Right. But it also didn't backfire exactly. It didn't, like, cost them, really. Smothers... Well, it did, I guess. Smothers is whipped to the ropes. Lane kicks him in the back of the head, and Eaton gets the pinfall in eighteen fourteen. This match went nearly twenty minutes, but yeah, I have right, I have it right, right here. Controlled chaos. This, this, that's the best way I could describe this match. Oh, and the crowd was super hot for it the whole time. Oh, this is probably, I, I would say, it's the greatest tag team match of all time. <laughs> I'm not going that. When, far. How have you, have you ever seen a better one? Out of what we've reviewed? No. Yeah. Okay. But that's just out of what we've reviewed. I mean, we've reviewed some great tag team matches. We have, and this one is, I think, yes, this is the best one that we've reviewed. But I'm not going to say it's the greatest ever. But it's the crowd was hot. I mean, uh, Cornette was getting a lot of heat from the crowd. He used the yeah. tennis racket. He managed the team. There were quick tags. There was a lot of double team moves. Bobby got his ass kicked. <laughs> Yeah. Bobby sold like he he should have won a damn Oscar for that sale job because that was this match he did beautifully. In. Super kicks left and it's almost like the, the young, young Bucks. bucks. Yeah. He took, yeah. The yeah. Young bucks, I love the karate segment with Stan Lane and uh, they're doing the karate poses and stuff. Yeah. Like you, everything you could want out of a match is in this match, basically. Yeah. Out of a tag team match. Especially compared to the other tag team matches on this show, because they could not follow this. No, the crowd gave this match a standing ovation. I mean that even and for for 19, for the heels for, and for nineteen ninety, that's that says something. It's not like now whenever they do one thing, the whole oh my god, yeah, we gotta stand up and cheer. Yeah, like for nineteen ninety, that's that really that says something as for. And it's unfortunate that WCW didn't let that breathe for a second, you know, yeah. pause for a second and let get a wide shot of the crowd. You know, it's just yeah. like, you know, JR mentions, oh, standing ovation, and then we're right back to Gordon Sully. Like, yeah. you don't get a that's what that's the difference in the production value between the WWF and WCW is like they were just on different levels because the WWF would know how to show that. Yeah. You know, in a way that connected. But yeah, this was awesome. This was 
This was my favorite thing on this show. And and I have wrote right here new match of the night because that year we were oh, topping okay. that match. Oh yeah, well this is light years ahead of the last match with a what's his name? Harley Race, yeah. Harley Race and Tommy Rich. Yeah, uh, they're know. not even in the same league. They're neck and neck. Okay. Gordon Sully is with the Freebirds, who were sporting a very uh, unique look for the time. Man, they got mascara and eyeliner on, and they. I'm got... a huge, I'm a huge Freebird fan. This is a dark period in the Freebirds history. I'm a huge Freebird fan, but I, this almost made me have to second guess. Yeah, this is the uh, Michael P.S. Hayes Jimmy Jam version, and I they were trying something different with their look here. For this one, they were. This was rough. The Freebirds say they can drive anything and ride anything with four legs. I don't. I don't know. I, d- I don't. Just just go with it. I don't. I don't know. Up next, Big Van Vader's debut. The Z Man is out first, so Tom Zink, who is going to be Vader's victim here, but Vader is out in his awesome Mastodon helmet. Yes. This thing is so awesome. You, do you know the story behind the helmet? No. Okay, it was in New Japan. He, they built it strictly for him to get over. They figured, you know, have the smoke come out of it, and it'll be great and awesome. Well, when he left New Japan, that's New Japan property. That's New Japan Pro Wrestling property. When he left, he snuck it on the plane with him and took it and basically stole it from New Japan Pro Wrestling and brought it over here. Well, I'm glad he did because this is awesome. It was, yeah, it's badass. I can't imagine, like... He still has it to this day that he I'm brings to checking that signings. in his luggage. Like, can you imagine the flight crew? Like, they're just sho- shoveling in luggage after luggage, and then there's this giant thing. Like, yeah, I I had never seen it shoot out the smoke before either. That was so awesome. Oh, you've never seen that? On, he yeah. sets it down on the ground, and this thing shoots smoke out. Like he steps away for, from it for a minute, so it's a real yeah. magician. You know, it's not yeah. like he it's not like he's standing there holding a button. Like he hits yeah. a button and it's delayed, and he walks around and poses and. Yeah, I love his uh, helmet thing, his yeah. Mastodon suit thing. Yeah, the Mastodon helmet is, uh, and he still at autograph signings and shows brings it with him. And uh, and yeah, the, I love this this version of Vader. Unfortunately, he didn't get to do this in uh, in WWE. But stupid, one of the worst. That was a that uses was of a guy. I agree. Oh yeah. I agree. Leon White here, he's using his Lucha Libre style mask, which, you know, not his normal uh, belt style mask, I guess you could call it. And it looks like he's wearing Kane's 2000 era tights because he's got black with the red random lines in it or whatever. Yeah, it's like little red lightning bolts throughout it all. Yeah. And it's it's unique. Yeah, well, he looks... It didn't stay very long. I, I, I didn't remember him wearing this either, so... Vader splashes the Z-Man in the corner and hits a short arm clothesline. Z-Man hits a drop kick. This is his one move that he gets to hit. But Vader no-sells a drop kick. He didn't even go to a knee. <laughs> Z-Man tries a running splash, but Vader just ca- catches him and press slams him, followed by a big elbow. Vertical suplex. And the crowd is kind of quiet because they don't know what to make of all this. Clothesline and a running splash, and Z-Man is squashed in 2 minutes and 16 seconds. Well, it did the job. It established yeah. Vader. Yeah. But like like we said before, I mean, it would be years before, you know, he was a mainstay. This was a special attraction, I guess. It wasn't. A, Vader wasn't on every show either. Vader was a, it was a rare breed in WCW at this time. This was his first one, and you would see him strictly, I think, maybe once or twice in between the next pay-per-view and so on and so forth, which then made 
the suspicion of him grow. And immediately when they put Harley Race with him as manager, and that shot him straight to the top. And he was the face of WCW for for a few, quite a few years. Yeah, yeah, their biggest star. Yeah, Even I I'd say surpassed Sting in a lot of ways. Yeah, Gordon Sully is with the Horsemen, which at this point is Arn, Ole, Sid, and Barry Windham. Arn, he doesn't say anything, which is quite a shame in this promo. And the others, generic promo. No, yeah, not they much just rant. The Freebirds are out to Bad Street, Atlanta, GA. They are in their sparkly overalls and dancing, having a good time. And lipstick and mascara and their whole... Bizarre. They were glittered worse than a $2 hooker. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> they were... There was enough glitter on them. It was bad. The Steiner brothers are out to face them. The crowd is going crazy for the dog-faced gremlin. They're just barking. They're going nuts. The Freebirds jump the Steiners as soon as they get into the ring. They have T-shirts around their necks for some reason, the uh, yeah, Freebirds. And they got their sparkly overalls. Rick cleans house with clotheslines. The Freebirds bail outside, and Scott runs them down with a clothesline of his own, a Steiner line of his own, if you will. Jimmy Jam is going to start out with Rick. Jimmy Jaws with the crowd, who is chanting faggot at Jimmy Jam. So we reviewed Survivor Series 97, so in seven years, they were still chanting faggot. This is, uh, and but I think that's what the Freebirds are going for in their... I think with the way they were, they were kind of, yeah, I don't, sure. I was really more in shock throughout this whole match than I was anything. <laughs> JR mentions that Rick Steiner said if he wasn't a wrestler, he'd be a school teacher. Well, yeah, here we are in 2016. Teacher. He serves on the school board, or he did up until last year, so yeah, he sort of got involved in that. But now he's into real estate and stuff, so good for Rick Steiner. Rick back body drops Jimmy and clotheslines him, gets a two count. Michael Hayes tags in. Crowd chants Freebirds suck at the Freebirds. They didn't have to do much to get the crowd to turn against him here. No. Rick bites Michael P.S. Hayes in the butt like a dog. Then Jimmy tags in and wants Scott, and Scott agrees, so Steiner hip tosses both Freebirds and drop kicks them until they bail outside and recover again. Then Rick and Scott pose in the ring where Scott climbs on him like a dog, and they the yeah. crowd loved it. They, the crowd was hot for the Steiner brothers, and they hated the Freebirds, so this worked out very well. The Freebirds act like they're going to walk away. Eh, just give up on the match, just go home for the night. But they decide to come back to the ring. Hayes tags in to take on Scott. The crowd chants at Hayes again that the Freebirds still suck. Hayes rams Scott's head in the turnbuckle and lights him up with some big chops. Then Steiner hits a double underhook powerbomb on Michael Hayes, who bails outside again. This is a common theme. Take a move, bail outside. Take a move, bail outside. This is good 90s heel wrestling. Yeah, but I thought the other heels in this card did it better, I think. Yeah. Because they would just take a big move and then bail out. It wasn't like they would smack the... It was, they never got any... When you go back to past matches like Buddy Landell and Dutch Mantel, they both both really worked it to their advantage where the Freebirds didn't. They were just chicken. They were chicken shit heels. Yeah. Hayes at one point calls for a timeout. Yeah. Which that I did enjoy. That was a good idea. Rick Steiner thinks about running him down, but Hayes eventually returns to the ring. The crowd says, Michael is a bitch. They chant, Michael is a bitch. They, yes. Which I was very shocked about. <laughs> yeah, this we're hearing a lot. This, this a, was a rowdy Baltimore crowd. Yes. 
Hayes whips Steiner the ropes, and Jimmy kicks him from behind before Hayes clotheslines him over the ropes. Jimmy Jam clotheslines Rick on the outside, and they hit a double vertical suplex on Rick on the mats outside, so the Freebirds do get some offense in. Hayes struts while Jimmy tosses Rick back into the ring. Hayes hits a bulldog on the dog-faced gremlin and gets a two-count. Jimmy tags in and gets Rick in a reverse chin lock. Rick powers out and tries a power slam, but is reversed back into a chin lock. Jimmy Jam goes upstairs, gets countered, and Rick hits a face buster on Jimmy from the second rope. Hayes and Scotty, uh, Michael Hayes and Scotty get the hot tags. We get a power slam to Michael Hayes, a press slam where Scott throws Hayes into Jimmy Jam. Then Steiner lines from Scott and Rick to the Freebirds. Then Scott hits the Frankensteiner on Hayes, but Jimmy cuts him off and DDTs him before he can get a cover. The ref knows Jimmy's not legal, so he won't make the count. Rick belly to bellies Hayes, and Scott gets the three, despite Hayes' foot being on the ropes at the very last second. A very big miss yeah. from this ref. And the win in 13 minutes and 45 seconds, the Steiner brothers pretty much demolish the Freebirds here. Steiners look great. Yeah. But this wasn't as good as the last tag team match. No. And it was on back-to-back with it. Yeah. So. Well, now we're heading into a six-man tag. So. Yes, JR and Bob, They first they tease Halloween Havoc, 1990. Back when there was only like three or four pay-per-views a year instead of 19. Well, you had, what was it? Starcade. Starcade, Halloween Havoc, Great American Bash, Slam or Super Brawl. So probably those four. Super Brawl didn't start till ninety one. So yeah, maybe just three. Or Wrestle War. Wrestle War. That yeah. So maybe five. They might have even had more than yeah. Well, the WWF was probably doing five at this time with King of the Ring. Right. Right, maybe? No, that didn't start No, till. that didn't start till ninety three. Yeah, so maybe four or five. Yeah, I you're can... looking at four or five. That's I mean, you know, they did five. They were doing five in 1990. Which is impressive when you look back at it. Because, I mean, in 90, I think Vince was still only doing just the major four. I'm sure in WCW's mind, we'll one-up them, you know. We'll give them and one And then more. they were still doing Clash. Clash, yeah. Clash, you know, given that. That's a pay-per-view given, they're giving it away for free, basically. Well, that's what it's billed as. but Yeah. JR and Bob talk about El Gigante. One of our rating scales here, Giant Gonzalez, is going to be on this card tonight. And I forgot, until I saw him come out for this match, just how big that damn dude was. Especially standing in the same ring as, like, Sid. Yeah. And making Sid look tiny. Yeah. And then JR and Bob debate whether Sting is 100%. This is Sting's return off his knee injury, his legit knee injury. Yeah. Tore his patella tendon or something. And so this is his big. He return. had to have surgery to have it reconnected. This wasn't rehab. This was straight up. He had to have surgery on it. So. Yeah. So maybe he's not a hundred percent tonight. I wonder if Flair will focus on his leg. We'll just have to see. Figure four, Colin. The four, the the horsemen are out first. Then the dudes with attitudes are out next, and that's Mister Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, JYD, and yes, El Gigante, Giant Gonzalez here. And El Gigante got a huge welcome from the crowd because just to see this guy. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, that bodysuit in WWE didn't show what he really truly looked like because in real life, his true, I mean, seeing him here, he was huge. The thing with uh, Mr. Jorge Gonzalez here is though... He can't really wrestle. Well, he can't wrestle because his knees are fucked, but... 
The other thing about him is that he's a giant, but he just he has the the cutest face. He has a baby. Oh yeah, he has a baby face. You believe that he's not going to hurt you. So right. even when the WWF brings him in against Taker, even if give him a bodysuit, you know, give him whatever in the face, he just doesn't look mean. Yeah, he doesn't look like a menacing. He guy. didn't have the big the big face like Andre. Right, which I think worked against him. Yeah, and I think he just was a nice guy. You know, he's a yeah. former basketball player. You know, he, the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, they just gave him a second chance in wrestling, and so here he is, a babyface in WCW as El Gigante. But, uh, I mean, when you have a super tall dude, though, it's kind. Of, why would you start him out as a babyface to begin with? Yeah, but he just looks. I think because they looked at him and said, "You just look like a nice guy." I don't know. He just didn't look like a mean he guy. He should have stayed as as that, like like a giant baby or something like that. A gentle giant. Gentle giant. Yeah. I don't know. It's see, just when I see a tall, a super tall guy, my instinct is this guy's the villain, right? Because that's just how it is in you know history, basically. The, yeah. the tall guy's always the bad guy, but not the bad guy, Razor Ramon, but just a bad guy. Right, and uh, the crowd here really wanted to see El Gigante, and I consider this match to be bait and switch. Yeah, because <laughs> he didn't get in the match. Well, he did, but he didn't do anything in the match. Yeah. Sid will start out against Mister Wonderful. Mister Wonderful had to do all the work for the dudes with the attitudes here. Oh yeah, Orndorff. Orndorff was Bobby Eaton earlier. Orndorff worked his ass off for this match. Yeah, Orndorff pretty much stays and fights uh, all the Horsemen. The other, JYD is in the ring for a heartbeat, but here we go. Sid's going to start out against Mr. Wonderful. Sid powers him up into a big choke. Sid, by the way, got a nice reaction, too, from the crowd. They love Sid. Yeah. Northern crowds love Sid for some reason. Sid powers him up into a big choke. Sid misses a leg drop, and Orndorff lights him up with kicks. Arn and Wyndham try to attack him, but Orndorff cleans house against the horsemen. Sid cuts him off eventually from beating the horsemen up. Then Orndorff tries a backslide, which we did see work earlier. But JYD headbutts Sid, so Orndorff, and then Orndorff can get him down into a backslide. But, of course, Sid just kicks at it, too. Arn tags in, and then Orndorff has to fight him. Giant Gonzalez steps into the ring, and the horsemen, just from seeing El Gigante... Oh, they scatter. They, they, uh, they shit can out of the ring. They're like, no, we're yeah, good. we got to rethink this. Yeah, we'll take a count out if we have to. Yeah, so then JYD tags in, and he headbutts Arn, and he punches him a few times. Barry Wyndham tags in and gets some more light headbutt. These headbutts were laid in very light from JYD. From a headbutt, Barry Wyndham pops up, and he doesn't realize he's in front of El Gigante, and he gets scared, and he runs and tags Arn Anderson. In. Yeah. JYD gets some more right hands on Arn, then Wyndham tags in, and DDT's JYD, who no-sells a DDT, one of the most over-moves in pro wrestling yeah. at this time. JYD stands right the fuck back up. Fuck JYD. Wyndham gets vertical suplexed by JYD. Then Mr. Wonderful tags back in and he tees off against the horseman. He tries a pile driver on Arn, but Wyndham saves him by hitting a smash from the top turnbuckle. Arn tags in Sid, who locks in a rest hold on Orndorff before tagging in Wyndham. Then Wyndham hits a vertical suplex. The goal now is to keep Orndorff away from getting the hot tag in the faces corner. Wyndham gets taken down by a running forearm from Mr. Wonderful. Then JYD gets another tag, and the Horsemen triple-team him and toss him out. 
But it looked like he got the tag to El Gigante, but the ref missed it or something. I thought he got the tag here, but he didn't. JYD gets back into the ring, and the horsemen bail out again. And then here's how the this is the ending of the match. The horsemen get DQ'd for chucking JYD out of the ring. Yeah. This rule that's not enforced in any other match, it's only enforced here. The horsemen get DQ'd, and the crowd boos this result because El Gigante never got in the match. You're right. He never got in the match. Yeah, no. The and the one ma- time he was tagged, they all scattered outside. So he went and tagged back out. and So he never got a single offensive move with anybody. So the match ends in 8.53, and what I would have to say is the biggest disappointment of the night. Yeah. And bait and switch. When you tell me that you're going to have a giant on the show, a special attraction, and then I don't even get to see him wrestle. Granted, I know he's not a good wrestler, but I still want to see it. You still want to see him in the ring actually getting physical. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever's going to happen. I just want to see something. Yeah. What'd you think of this match? Uh, too much. Too long. <laughs> Why even have it? Because they used, yeah. El, they used El Gigante in the match later on. They used everybody from this match later on in the night in the main event. Yeah. You didn't even need to have this match at all because you're gonna you, they're gonna get their payday anyway. Yeah. So that's just my thought anyway. Gordon Sully is with the total package. Lex Luger. He says it's easy to tear a t-shirt apart, but not easy to tear him apart. He's a man, not a t-shirt after all. Luger also thinks Sting will win tonight, so all the wrestlers think Sting's gonna win. So this is Mean Mark. He's out first. With I want to specify, you saw Luger and his physique here. Then you look back and you see Doug Furness. <laughs> yeah. Doug Furness was like. He put Luger to shame. He put Luger to shame. But for fans who have not seen this that are listening, that kind of should specify to you what Furness looked like earlier. Just Thank you. I'm glad that you pointed that out because Luger would typically win the most roidy award. Yeah. No, he was put to shame tonight. Yeah. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't hitting the gym hard enough. Mean Mark is out first with Paul Heyman. Mean Mark, Undertaker's old attire here. He's out in chaps and a vest. Very odd to see him, you know, shirtless. Yeah. Clean, you know, no chest hair, waxed. But, boy, big ginger guy. Freckly, pale, showing his legs off. Yeah. Very weird to see Undertaker wrestle. It was different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lex loses. Lex Luger, he is a loser, but Lex Luger is out to an awesome guitar theme song. I don't know if it was his real one or not, but I liked it. It wasn't his biddle music from later on. The U.S. champion, total package Lex Luger in bright pink tights. Yeah, And we are seeing some great looks tonight. This was some 80s neon that was carrying over. With his white boots. I hate white boots, man. <laughs> but I do like this U.S. title. This yeah. is the best design in the U.S. Yeah. title. I mentioned right here, yeah, Luger isn't as jacked as Furnace, so yeah. I was on the same wavelength as you. Undertaker twists Luger's arm like he's going for old school, but Luger gets out of it. And I was like, oh, man, you cheated me out of old school, which was elementary school at this yeah, stage. Yeah, elementary school, there you go, yeah. The crowd chants, Polly sucks. So, Heyman, Cornette and Heyman, two of the best managers ever. Like, oh, just yeah. them standing at ringside got the fans to chant, like, yeah. That's I mean there aren't many male managers left. Paul Heyman No, is- I mean when you look at it, my opinion, Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette, Bobby Bobby Heenan and and possibly Jimmy Hart. 
his four best managers of all time. And all of the same era. All yeah. in the same time period. Yeah. It's crazy. Managers aren't used enough now. I mean, no. and especially male managers. Yeah, now you don't have any male managers. You have all valets, and which doesn't really... That's a lost art in wrestling is is being a, a, a male manager. And a manager in the in the true sense of the word that they're cutting the promos there. Well, a male can get in there and get physical. Get physical where you can't have Lana get in there and get make the baby face look like right. Shit, yeah. Right. Understand. Taker and Luger Matt wrestle for a quick sequence before Luger goes back to a wrist lock. JR mentions that Mean Mark has a degree in sports management. Wonder if he'll get to put that to use because I, I mean, is wrestling going to work out for this guy? I don't I'm not think sure. he's going to. I don't think he's going to make it. What is a degree in sports management, by the way? PE like, coach. Yeah, I think it is that, or more like a a a sports physical therapy. Would you say? Yeah. Would that be more? Would it so, be more like a sports physical therapy or something like that? Maybe? I, don't, I don't know. I've I've wondered about this for years because this is a this is a legit degree. I mean, sports management, but yeah, I don't know what you do with it. Luger gets a high cross for a two count. We get a deep arm drag from Luger into an arm bar. Polly starts chatting on his cell phone. He's taking calls in the middle of this match. Not really doing a good job. Uh, you know, managing. He's trying to Mark call in. Trying to call in some backup and reinforcements. Yeah. Taker gets a big boot, and this slows Luger down. Taker works a rest hold on Luger's arm. Then Taker does hit old school. He does hit elementary school on Lex Luger here. I love that, elementary school. That's a Well, very this is actually preschool, but I guess <laughs> because this is before school was in session Yeah, as the Undertaker. This is mean Mark, so this was very cool to see a big man. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's on the same card as El Gigante, so now every giant looks small. Yeah. So, Taker who's six ten. Yeah. So it's all Sid, wasted. Sid who was six nine. Yeah. Or actually, no. Sid's taller, so Sid would be more like six eleven. Yeah, he's a little bit taller than Taker. I and think. so they just go to waste. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what we saw when you had El Gigante and and Sid just standing beside each other for a split second in that last match. Taker knocks Luger to the outside and slams Luger's head on the stairs and on the announcer's table. Luger hits a sunset flip on two for, on Taker in the ring. JR mentions that Mean Mark's right hand, which is gloved, he wears one glove. And he says that might be loaded because it seemed like Luger was selling more for that right hand. The old loaded, he should, the ref should have checked that glove beforehand. But a loaded glove's hard to tell, you know. It is. I mean, you can have weights. Sewn into it. I can't. Realize. I don't know how heavy your hand is. Maybe you just got heavy hands. Right. Taker hits a vertical suplex, but Luger no sells it. Just stands right back up, and then hits a big clothesline followed by two more. The, the crowd pops big for Luger here. Luger puts Taker up in the torture rack, but Taker Taker's leg hits the ref as they're spinning around in the torture rack. Polly tries to revive the ref after he decks Luger with the telephone. He used the phone. This phone, he must have had a big phone budget. He went through a lot of phones. So he hit Taker with the phone, and then Mean Mark covers Luger, but he only gets a two count. Mean Mark calls for the heart punch. He gets Luger in the ropes, and it's time for the heart punch, which was his finisher at the time. But yep. Luger counters with a big boot. Oh, no. Luger clotheslines Mean Mark, and then, in my opinion, the ref hit a fast count. On Undertaker, and Luger gets the win in 12 That was a fast count. Yeah. Payback for, I guess, getting kicked in the torture rack, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to talk about, very quickly here, 
I know it's easy in hindsight to say, man, this taker, I just see tons of potential in him, but I'm going to be honest here, Patrick. He just looks like a generic big man to me. You were let down, aren't you? Well, I don't think Undertaker was a really great wrestler until later in his career in general, because even early Undertaker matches, you're not like, oh, man, he is so good in the ring or anything. Yeah. But just from this, I would say I don't really – I mean, he could be like Ron Reese, you know, like just a tall guy or Kurgan. You know, just a or giant Gonzalez, just yeah. a ta- uh, just a tall guy, just a yeah. big man. Uh, so I don't, I didn't see, I don't see the potential here. So no. I don't think WCW uh, missed. I mean, in hindsight, yes, they missed the mark. They missed the mark callous here. I can't blame him for cutting this guy. It wasn't the right. It wasn't the right fit for him. He needed somebody to give him direction. Yes, this is what well, I was talking about with Dolph Ziggler earlier. Just he needed he needed somebody to say here. Here's this. Do this. Do this. Don't yeah. do this. Yeah, and just go. If you give, and that's the thing with with Mark Calloway is if if you give him direction or you give him, hey, I need this to happen, he's gonna get it done and he's gonna make it work. And I mean, how many guys can you say got burned and didn't break character? No, oh yeah, well, third degree burns still got in the ring and wrestled and didn't break character. Walked through fire. Well, he did have to run to the ring because he was on fire. But well, looking back, it's easy to say, man, they really fucked up here. But yeah. At the time, I can't, I can't blame. Uh, Seeing the match now for what you saw. Oh yeah. You're you're thinking, well, he, sh- yeah, he shouldn't have even been in that U.S. title match. Right. Or no, Bill Watts was in charge here. Yet I, I don't blame him at all. You know, yeah. for saying there's nothing there, especially like compared to like Stunning Steve, you could tell Stunning Steve had a lot of potential. Like, yeah, they really fucked up with Steve Austin. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Oh yeah, I agree. Retroactively, they fucked up with Taker, but you like you couldn't tell. There's just, yeah, who who could have who could have known? Yeah. You know, so I based on this, I didn't see anything that said this guy's special. Well, that's like the thing with Hogan. Hogan's the the Hogan's the face of pro wrestling, right? But without Vince saying, "Here's this, do this, go," and giving Hogan direction, Hogan will never have made it. Gordon Sully's with Sting earlier in the day. Sting says he's nervous, but he's a hundred percent. No DQ. He's got the stipulations right how he likes them, Patrick. And so if he loses tonight, he's got no excuse. Very babyface promo. Yeah, absolutely. And his great Sting glasses, the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. This was some '80s, '90s surfer sunglasses, and yeah. Time for the NWA World Tag Team Championship match. It's Rock and Roll Express taking on Doom, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed with Teddy Long, the first black tag team champions ever. Which it's already 1990, so that's not that great of an accomplishment. When yeah, figured Jackie Robinson was what in the baseball 50 years earlier. Doom, they might have, they were contending with Doug Furness for being jacked, man. These guys were. Ron Simmons was looking looking pretty stout, yeah. They weren't messing about. I'm not going to do a lot of play-by-play for this match because Doom was very immobile, I thought. Yeah. They just stood maybe, you know, they stood in the center of the ring and Rock and Roll Express would bounce around them. Randy Anderson misses Morton getting thrown over the top ropes and Teddy Long lands a cheap shot. Reed tries a running splash on Morton, but Morton gets the knees up. Gibson gets the hot tag and cleans house. All four men brawl, and Teddy Long ends up in the ring with Gibson, and Gibson decks him. 
Meanwhile, Reed hits a top rope shoulder breaker on Gibson and pins him while Ron Simmons has Morton's attention and Doom retains in 15 minutes, 40 seconds. I know I only did a few play-by-plays, but you didn't miss anything here. No, this was, I, I love the Rock and Roll Express. I like Ron Simmons a lot. And I like Ron Simmons. I like Doom as a tag team. This was just a this was a This was a fast forward. Well, especially when you saw much better tag team wrestling earlier in the oh, yeah. show. Gordon Sully, he's with Flair earlier today. Flair brags about his suit, which he says is his victory suit. To be the man, you have to be the man. or To be the man, you have to beat the man. Woo. Typical Ric Flair promo. JR and Bob say that if Sting loses, no excuses. Also, for some reason, Ole Anderson is going to be handcuffed to El Gigante. This is from when Sting blew out his knee. It was yeah. from trying to run in to break up Ole Anderson interference or something. Yeah. So that's why that stipulation. Well, at this point in time, Ole had stepped into the, the managerial role. Yeah. So. And the dudes with attitudes are going to be ringside for this match. Yeah. So they're going to be blocking the any kind of horseman interference. The, the odds were stacked in Sting's favor here. He got to have his own men ringside, bodyguards, basically. It's like a lumberjack match where you don't have any bad guy lumberjacks. Yeah, no heel lumberjacks. It was all babies. Yeah, so Flair's kind of, why would he sign this contract? I love that one time you see Flair's like going to try to run, so Flair goes to roll outside, and he rolls, and he sees Scott Steiner. He's like, oh, shit. He rolls back (laughs) in. All right, so last match of the night. It's our main event. Sting Sting is out first. He's got Pyro and... His, oh man, what an entrance! This, this oh yeah, the camera shot from behind and the the falling sparks. Oh, so beautiful, hey, iconic. Yeah, yeah. Anytime they, anytime in all these documentaries they mention Sting, this is the image they yeah. use, and he's got his arms up in the air. And when it's old school Sting, they use this, and then they use uh, what we talked about in uh, Star K ninety seven for Crow Sting. Yes. So this is this is the iconic image here. The dudes with attitudes, which we saw earlier, uh, they're out at the four corners plus the Steiner brothers. So all the faces basically yeah. on the show are out. The Nature Boy is out next. He gets Pyro and he's in a beautiful blue robe. Great looking blue robe. Sting is in American flag jacket and face paint for the Great American Bash. He red, white, and blue. He is yes. He cannot be more patriotic. Stars looking. and stripes, man. He had it all over his face. One thing that's interesting. Well, one thing that I think is cool, the ref opens the ring ropes for Ric Flair. Yeah. Nick Patrick, showing his early heel tendencies, opens the ring ropes for Ric Flair, the champion. I love how Rick would always, but it didn't matter who it was, he always would have him come over and do that. Have you That's never, smart. You never noticed that? I don't think it was every time, though. It was almost, though. And I know. That, I that mean, is. It's like, you know, listen here, asshole. Come over here and, you know, that's great heel. That is a great heel move. Cause, yeah. Because people... Fans, no one else does that. Fans are looking at him like, that douchebag couldn't even step in by himself. He had to have somebody come hold it for him. We get no DQs in this match, Patrick. It's pinfall or submission only. Ole gets handcuffed to El Gigante at the top of the ramp. So And his big ass was sitting in like two and a half chairs. Yes. So here we go. Sting throws Flair down in a couple of tests of strength. Oh, man. Sting is much stronger than Flair. Flair lights Sting up with chops. I mean, vicious, vicious chops to Sting all through this match. But instead of selling them, Sting will just no-sell them. 
So Flair will toss Sting in the corner and just hit a big ass chop at Sting. Will just just stare at him like nothing yeah. happened. Yeah, or woo back at him. Yeah, or, yeah. Sting press slams Flair, who then hip tosses and drop kicks him. Flair bails to the entry ramp. He, he wants to go home for the night. He's in over his head. They go out onto the ramp, and Sting no sells another chop. Then Sting hip tosses Flair onto the ramp and throws him back into the ring. You're not getting away for this match. Flair slows Sting down with an eye poke, a vicious thumb to the eye, Patrick. Always good to slow slow a guy down with. He follows it up with a snap mare and the knee to Sting's head that Triple H stole from him while Sting is on the ground. Flair hits a delayed vertical suplex, and Sting no-sells it. So I'm sensing a pattern here. He clotheslines Flair a couple of times before hitting a crossbody off the top rope, but that only gets a two-count. Flair decides to focus on Sting's bum knee, and he kicks it a few times, and he tries for a figure four, but Sting fights out of it. For a second, we get dueling woo chants, where Flair does the woo, but then Sting does the woo! I don't know the yeah. difference. I guess that's the difference in them. Yeah, that's probably about the best way to do it. Flair finally lands a chop that Sting sells, and Flair tosses him out onto the ramp. Nick Patrick is the ref tonight, and it's notable because he is taller than both Sting and Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's odd to see the tall ref, the tall ref in the main event here. So, Patrick, there is hope for you in the main event. One day. Sting is cut down with a few more chops, and then Flair works the knee again just for a split second. Sting hip tosses Flair out of the corner, tries a drop kick, but misses. Flair drapes Sting's leg on the ropes and hits it with the seated senton. He tries it again, but Sting rolls out of the way. Flair tries another knee to the face, but Sting rolls out of the way. Sting locks in a figure four on Flair, and the crowd goes nuts. They think that this is the end of the match. He's not only going to tap out, but he's going to tap out. They think that this is Survivor Series 97. So Flair gets the ropes, and the hold is broken in what was, I thought, a no-disqualification match. Yeah, you're right. Flair and Sting go outside the ring. Sting is whipped into the guardrail, and he no-sells it. Then Flair runs back into the ring. Sting follows and punches him in the head and body and slams Flair off the top rope. Sting backslides Flair, which we saw as a finish earlier in the night, but he only gets two and a half. Flair chops Sting's leg out from under him. Then Ole and El Gigante, they're shown, and they're just sitting patiently watching the match. They don't do anything. Flair softens Sting's legs up. He snapmares him down and kicks him while he's on the mat. Flair pulls him to the center of the ring, and he attempts the figure four, but Sting kicks him his way out of it. Flair chops the shit out of Sting some more in the corner. Sting eventually no-sells the chops and laughs them off. Laughs in Ric Flair's face. At this point in time, he's practically bleeding out of his chest. Let's specify it this. It is beat red. It is beat red. He points at Flair, like Hogan used to do, and then whips him to the ropes and hits a big press slam. Sting does the corner punches, but... Only does four of them. No one wants to do ten punches yeah. in the corner tonight. Yeah. He whips Flair to the corner, and Flair does his Flair flip. But Sting cuts him off before he can run across the ring apron. Then Sting suplexes Flair back into the ring. Sting woos, beats his chest. Stinger splash. Get another Flair flop. The crowd rise to their feet as he goes for the Scorpion death block. Ole Anderson wanted to come down, and Flair gets locked in the submission as the camera cut away and missed the, the moment he got locked in it, but... He gets locked in it. Here come the horsemen. They're going to break this up, but the dudes with attitudes cut them off. Flair crawls towards the ropes. Flair gets to the ropes again, and then Flair covers Sting with his feet on the ropes, but Steiner saves him from losing this match. Steiner saves Sting. 
Yeah. Scotty Steiner. Sting tries a roll-up while Flair is complaining to the ref, but he kicks out. Sting then power bridges out of a pinning attempt by Flair, like powers his way up into a bridge and then reverses it with a backslide attempt. Flair kicks out at two and a half. Sting tries a running knee on Flair in the corner, but Flair moves and Sting hits his knee on the turnbuckle. Uh Uh-oh. Did the bum knee give out? Well, Flair goes for the figure four, but Sting rolls Flair up in an inside cradle and and gets the three. And the crowd goes nuts in 16.06. And we have a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. The dudes with attitudes file into the ring and put Sting on their shoulders. Pyro's going off. Gary Capetta announces Sting is the winner. High fives all around the ring. Sting poses on the ramp and carries his belt high over his head as he walks towards the back. The crowd is still standing, and Sting, well, he just sort of stands around until a giant Sting head lowers from the ceiling and catches on fire behind Sting. That was Sting. awesome. That was awesome. I wonder where this is, if they say, if they I don't know, but up. I hope Vince has this, because if so, I'm going to buy it from him. Now, this is where we should have gone off the air, because I thought Sting totally botches his victory promo here. Congratulations, Sting. My mouth! It's really dry, so try and understand what I'm going to say. Ric Flair is the greatest world champion of all time. Me, on the other hand, I'm a champion tonight and tonight only. I've got some big shoes to fill in Ric Flair's shoes. Although we may have our differences, all I have to say is I'm going to do the best that I can do. And that's it. This has, oh. this has to be the happiest moment of your life, though, wasn't it? <laughs> Ric Flair was a champion six times with the help of the horseman every time. He's truly a great champion. I know you don't want to hear it, maybe some of you, but it's true. It's a big accomplishment for the Stinger in his short career. Thank you very, very much. Gordon Sully grabs Sting and and congratulates him. Sting says his mouth is dry, but Flair is the greatest of all time. Putting over the heel as the greatest of all time. And he says he, but he says for tonight, he's the champion. This is not a very strong promo from Sting so far. He goes on to say he's going to try and do the best he can do, and that's it. And then he woos. Then Gordon asks him, is this the night of your life? And Sting totally dodges the question doesn't say it's the night of his life and just puts Flair over again and he says thanks. Sting walks back down to the the ring for a curtain call and JR says he did it for all the Stingers, Patrick. All the different shapes and sizes of Stingers, he did it for them all. JR and Bob plug Halloween Havoc and say goodnight. And then the credits roll and we are done. What did you think of the main event? Oh, awesome, Matt. Oh, I mean, mean, Sting was very limited in the ring and just like all the other... Well, a lot of the other heels on this show, Flair made him look like a million dollars. Yeah, and that's the reason I picked this, because Flair always was able to see somebody who stood out just a little bit more than the than anybody else and was able to give them that rub. And for for somebody like Sting to have been in the business only four years, we're talking about debuted. We're, we're not even talking about main stage debuted. We're talking about literally got out of training and started started in the business and in four years' time became the world heavyweight champion. 
This was a big year for the Blade Runners because at WrestleMania, Ultimate Warrior defeated Hulk Hogan, so the Blade Runners rule the wrestling world in 1990. Yeah. The thing I always think about Sting is that WCW, he could have been an even bigger star than he was. I mean, he was a big star in WCW, you know, I think he could have been even bigger. I always think that they just they just kind of dropped the ball with Sting. Yeah. He needed he needed a little bit of what the Undertaker needed and that's some direction. Yeah. And some some help with it. Well, I mean with his promos. I mean this Gordon Sully promo, it's nice that he puts Flair over, but you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I mean even as a baby face like and then just the simple I'm going to do my best. No, that's not good enough. Or or to or, or if you're going to put him over, just say, yeah, he is the greatest of all time, but you know what? I just beat him. I'm the greatest now. I'm dude. now the greatest. And that's not a heel thing to say. No. Because you're the greatest. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're the champ. That's what I've always thought about Sting is that he just could have been so much more. I mean, he could have elevated WCW into a bigger player. He should never have been a part of the NWO of any kind. Wolfpack. Well, whatever. I mean, that's later on. I mean, just even this title run. I mean, it ends in 1991 at a house show. To Flair. Oh, that, does it really? And then this is the, the the one. This is the belt that Flair eventually drop. Well, takes to the WWF. This is. Yeah. He lost the belt at a house show. Then his the next few title the next couple of title reigns weren't really memorable until you get to yeah ninety seven and yeah. that thing with Hogan and black and white. And by then it's totally different. You know. Yeah. Part of their botching of Sting also has to do with bringing Hogan in and Sting being a company guy and stepping aside because he should have said. No, no, I'm not going to let you come in here and be the bigger star. Yeah. But, I mean, Hogan is the biggest star ever. Yeah. But WCW could have really... This guy, for 1990, this guy looks like 1990. I mean, he is... He's everything I would have wanted in a pro wrestler as a kid. Like, just... I mean, how many kids had, you know... And even you've heard John Cena say it. He has a blonde flat top because of Sting. Yeah. You know... Like that's how many kids did he influence through the years? Yeah, but this is I I think by far Sting's most memorable match. I'm not gonna say it's his best in the ring, but it's his best. It's his most memorable. I mean, this is his biggest title win. This yeah. is this is his moment, I guess. Yeah. So, but I and, and against anybody besides Flair, I don't think it would have been as good. No, and well, that's and that that like I said, that goes to show you just how great why he's the goat. Yeah. Why he is the greatest of all time. I mean... Oh, yeah. Ric Flair, undisputably... This was the passing of the torch. Yeah, undisputably. supposed to be. Then they passed it right back to Flair. (laughs) But, I mean, Ric Flair, you cannot, you know... People always say, you know, arguably the greatest of all time. You can't argue against it. He is the greatest of all time, period. Yeah, I didn't see, I mean... Even when Hogan put Warrior over earlier in 1990, I mean, he kicked out at the three, you know? Yeah. He didn't even want to do that. And then he stays in the ring and cries like yeah. a little bitch. Yeah. You know what Flair did? He rolled out of the ring and went to the back. Yeah. He and, got the fuck gave, out of there. gave Sting his, his moment, his spot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's what makes him, he's just so unselfish, you yeah. know? I mean, he is the nature boy. I mean, he still is... He's still a self. I mean, he's still, you know, I mean, he's just Ric Flair, but yeah. to be able to take a step back every once in a while and the, a million times, I mean, that was the greatest thing about Flair is that 
you know, they claim him to be a 16-time champ. He's probably like a 20-something time champ, and he's always willing to give the belt back. Yeah. He understands that well, in, in a competitive sport, you don't win every single time. He's a lot like like Terry Funk in, in a few. Yeah. Where, where, you know what? I can make that kid be something. I can do. I can have a you know five met five match run with this guy. And not only is it going to make me better, but it's going to make him better, and it's going to put. We're all going to make more money. We're all going to make more money, and that's what he did with Sting and guys like Lex Luger at the time. Oh yeah, and guys yeah. like you know, because I'm sorry, they're not worthy. without without Ric Flair. Lex Luger wouldn't have been shit. Let's just flat out say that right now. Oh yeah, the Horsemen are elevated because of him, like. Everybody is elevated because of Ric Flair. Yeah. If Ric Flair is never in WCW, then WCW doesn't exist. I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah. he's that important. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, when you look back, I mean, that's why the big gold belt is Ric Flair's belt. You know, yeah. that's why when you think of that belt, you only see one person walking around with it. And that's why, even though Sting was all, you know, the, the franchise or whatever, I mean, Flair, it's really still Flair's. WCW yeah. is Ric Flair. Yeah. Not Sting. Yeah. As much as we love Sting. but So on this rating scale of this 11-match epic, they didn't fuck around with uh, backstage segments or comedy bits no, or commercials. Went, this was straight wrestling. Match Gordon Sully. Match Gordon Sully. Match Gordon Sully. Yeah. Right on through. Imagine, I mean, Raw has three hours every single week, and what do we get? Four matches, five matches? Yeah. They put on 11. <laughs> they put 11 on 11 matches in two, it's like what, two hours? Not even three hours. Yeah, yeah, two hours and 40 minutes or something. On our scale, our rating scale of Hornswoggle to, well, we'll give him his WCW name for today, El Gigante. Where do you stack this in the epic... Ranking scale of retro wrestling. I'm going to give this a mean Mark Callis. Very good. That's a very good thing. I'm going to give this a. I'm going to give this one a Sid Vicious then. Okay. I think I think he's just a, an, an inch above. That doesn't sound right. He's just slightly taller than than Undertaker. So yeah, they're about the same size. WrestleMania 13. It's one of the best stare downs because they're about the same height. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good show. Yeah. I thought that there were some low points. I thought your second best match of the night was not Harley Race. I thought that was a garbage match, and I thought the multi-man tag was garbage other than to trot El Gigante out there. Yeah. But he didn't do anything. Outside of that, solid card. Really solid yeah. lineup. And really different than the WWF product at this time. I mean, very very rooted in athletic competition. This yeah. is like a sport, sporting event. This was this was what NWA was known for and still is is you know no 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 bullshit basically it's you know true let let my let my talking be in the ring so i had this pick it is now your pick your pick will be the pick of christmas yes which i believe we will be taping after christmas so have a merry christmas from the retro wrestling podcast absolutely Everyone out there, have a very Merry Christmas. Very safe and productive Christmas you can enjoy. Also, the programming note very quickly, this this will probably be on SoundCloud instead of Cherbit. We are going to switch uh, streaming providers for a little while. I've got to figure out what to do. We're running into storage issues in how many... It's It's technical stuff, but 
the early this ep- is this is why you're the brains behind all this. Now, the early episodes of the Retro Wrestling Podcast, I saved them in a format that takes up more memory than other kinds of formats, and it's too much work to go back and resave them as a different format. Anyway, the gist of it is on Cherbit, we're running out of space, so this will be on SoundCloud, but it'll all work the same. If you go to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com, you'll find everything. So just a small note there. But anyway, you mentioned a very special guy earlier uh, on this card that wasn't as jacked as Doug Furness, but, you know, that's because he's the total package, Patrick. He is the total package. The He's our hero. In yeah. WWF, he's a guy yeah. named Lex Luger. He is. And so, Lex Express. As you know, one of the longest-running storylines in wrestling is that Sting and Lex Luger are good friends. Yep. So we are going to review their epic encounter for the title at Super Brawl 2, 1992. Sting will take on Lex Luger for the WCW Championship, a return to a Sting title match. But this is the, I think... I mean, outside of this match, I don't remember many encounters between Sting and Luger no, from then on either. out because they always, always friends, even when Luger was heel. So, in honor of your favorite wrestler, Lex Luger, that's where we will go. Lexi, Lexi. Card also features uh, pretty much everybody else we saw in this show, except the co-main event, as WWE would call them today, is Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat. So that should oh, be, be a great, match. a good match. But that's where we're going. Super Brawl 2, staying in WCW, heading up to 1992. Two years in the future. And that's where we will go for next week in the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And that does it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. The Great American Bass, July 7th, 1990. Once again against Rick. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we came to see. The heavyweight championship of the world will be on the line. Well, I can tell by looking at, you know, my demeanor and the way I am in the ring, I've gotten much more confident now, definitely. The young man that people say will dominate the 90s against the man that has dominated the 80s, the nature boy. You know, over the years, every time I was asked, do you want to be the world champ? You know, is it is it big? Well, yeah, it's it's big. Yeah, I mean, you know, of, of course, everybody strives to get to that level where you can wrestle for the world title. Big time offense by Steve and the challenger for the heavyweight championship of the world. Now back in control. Where the Irish went. That was electric that night, I remember. Baltimore was always that way, but that was pretty intense. It's a big accomplishment for the Stinger in his short career. Thank you very, very much, everybody. Okay, thank you, Stinger. Sting embodied that type of energy that I think everybody really believed they could build the company around. The fans love him, and why not? He's got the moves, the charisma, and the ability, and he is a world heavyweight champion. 
as world champion, there's more of a demand. I was already at you know, all the conventions, all the appearances, all the house shows, all the TVs, all of them, all the pay-per-views. Whenever there was any PR to do, whenever there were photo ops to do, whenever there was any kind of a Turner corporate function, especially, Sting was really the go-to guy, along with Ric Flair. Sting was the younger, more energized version of Ric Flair. I'm a 24-foot great white shark, and I'm hungry. I'm going to eat you up and spit you out.